Well, good evening. Uh, I'm Jim Lilly, and this is my wife, Cindy, of 40 plus, coming up on 41 years. And what? Well, yeah, the first 39 years were a little difficult, but the last two have been really good. <laughs> no, we've had a great marriage; it's been wonderful. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna just turn it over to my wife first. She's the does the human side of things. So, just to give you a little background on who we are. Um, Actually, being here tonight uh, brought me back. I was 18 years old when I started going to um, prayer meetings at the University of North Dakota with an ecumenical group. And uh, God touched me, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, met Jim when he was a hotshot pilot and uh, an atheist. So he had a dramatic conversion, and uh, about uh, how many, a, a year later, we were married. So uh, it's been a wonderful ride. I, you know, it's just so great to be with um, all, everybody here and just to know that um, it just keeps getting better. And marriage is wonderful. We just have a, we've had a blast. We have five children um, uh, from our oldest is 38 to our youngest is 25. Um, Three are married. Um, my daughter, our oldest daughter, Rachel, just had her ninth baby. Yeah. yeah. Woo! Little, little Jessie's five days old. Um, so, and she has two in heaven, so she has 11. Nine here and two in heaven. And then my son has four, another daughter has one, expecting another one, and then another daughter has one. So we have... <laughs> The thing that uh, just is so, such a, we had got together for Easter and just seeing our kids grow and have their children be disciples and to have the orientation to, um, you know, we were, ra- we had the orientation of raising Christians, but we are encouraging since uh, we have gotten into this obedience-based discipleship, um, and it's just part of our journey, and we, you know, it's just getting better and better, but that to you can actually raise children to be obedient disciples, and that Jesus can do it through his word, and that they can obey at their level and, and, and grow in that, and you can see it happening, and they can tell their friends, and, uh, and you can see that happening right in your families. So that's what's so exciting, and we are, um, we're just so thankful for what the Lord is doing. Um, our youngest has special needs, so she's 25. She lives at home, and uh, and we take care of her. And we have one single daughter, if anybody is looking. <laughs> she's she's 29 and eligible. <laughs> she lives in Boston, but we'll get her over here for now. Anyhow, um, so we came across this book two years ago, Miraculous Movements. Um, this was a game changer, and we brought some books um, uh, we were in California, bumped into it uh, through a set of circumstances, actually started reading about church planning and discipleship through the Perspectives course uh, in World Christian Movements. Uh, we've been interested in missions for years and years and actually been uh, deliberate about missions for about the last 10 years. Um, we're short-term missionaries now with our um, Lutheran denomination, the Association of Free Lutheran Congregations. And uh, last year we took... Um, we're in three different countries, Mexico, uh, India, and, uh, and three countries in Africa. Five countries. Five countries, yes. 
Um, so that's a little bit about ourselves, and Jim's going to. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I wanted to open up with uh, the Great Commission. Maybe can yeah. And I have a. We're going to have a seminar this fall, and, and I've got a sign-up sheet. Anybody like more information on that? And we'll. You can sign up, or we'll pass around or put it up here if you get your your name and your email address and phone number. Okay, it's going to be a seven weeks uh, seminar. Uh, let me let me just tell you. Let's start off with the Great Commission. Now, normally you start off with verse eighteen, but I like to start off with verse sixteen. And a little background: you remember the women had gone to the the tomb, and Jesus had risen. We're celebrating that right now, right? Jesus had risen from the dead, and Jesus appeared to to Mary, and he said, "Go tell my disciples to go to Galilee, to the place that I'll show them." And so a bunch of things happened, and that was the first part of the the twentieth uh, chapter. I mean, you get up to the uh, to the sixteenth verse. It says the disciples. How many disciples? Eleven disciples. So and, and remember, this is not this is not just a bunch of believers or followers. These are disciples. It's important to keep this in mind. So the disciples went to to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had instructed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. Then comes a little interesting phrase. But some doubted. Go to keep in mind, this is 11. They'd seen him raised from the dead. They had some kind of doubts. And it said, then Jesus appeared to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And, and the Greek is it's not go. It's, Therefore, as you go, wherever you go, make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And teaching them, what is it? Teaching them what? Yes, to, obey. to obey or to observe. To obey everything that I taught you. And then he gives a promise. Lo, I'm with you at the end of the age. So that's what this is all about. This is the great commission. This is the final command that, that Jesus gave to us. And, and these 11 had some, dis, some doubts. And I was talking to fellow at church, and I said, I, I don't know what the doubts would be. And he said, Jim, do you suppose they were still trying to put Jesus in a box? They still were looking for an earthly king. And what they were doubting was, how in the world can this guy raise from the dead? Uh, how in the world can this kingdom come to earth? I said, I don't know, but that's a possibility. So what we're going to talk about today, and, and as we were introduced, some of the stuff is a little bit like, this sounds really strange. This sounds really weird. Because it doesn't fit into our box of what we've been used to. The hardest thing working with Christians is, is de-Christianizing us to get us to become uh, kingdom-minded and focused on, on the resurrected Christ. Okay, so we're going to show a little video. And I'm going to ask some questions afterwards. So I want you to watch this video, and I'm going to ask you, this is going to be a question, and you guys are going to respond. So what's happening in the video? How do you think it impacts you today here? And that's where we're going to go. So we'll take a little bit of time. And just uh, uh, another thing. We, we spent nine weeks in Africa, and about two weeks before we came home, I said, Jim, we had, we had some amazing stories we could uh, tell, and we might tell a few. But... Uh, Two weeks, we were, in U- or we were in Uganda, four weeks. And uh, so the la- about the last two weeks, I said, Jim, we need to start praying for, you know, we had, when we get back to the Twin Cities, um, besides buying a house and moving and all of that we did and have my daughter expecting a baby, we got to pray for a movement in the Twin Cities and more partners. And uh, so Paul was one of those people who uh, contacted us. Actually, I think you contacted us when we were still in Africa because I remember being like, yeah. We're going to get to connect with Paul. I've been praying about connecting with, uh, with your group for a year and a half. I said, Paul is a key player in the cities. And God wants to, the key players to, to come together 
And we were, we we're praying for a movement. We are praying for a movement of the Holy Spirit in the Twin Cities with all people groups, with all uh, ethnic groups, with all um, uh, interest groups to um, come to know Jesus and to become disciples and to have a Jesus option in every neighborhood. So anyhow, since we came back in the last two months, I think we counted about eight new contacts with ministries, inner city ministries, churches, pastors, you know, people who are key leaders that have contacted us. And uh, so anyhow, we're excited. uh, And it's just, we feel like there's going to be a momentum and a multiplication that's going to happen, just like happens in families. (laughs) Hallelujah. He sums it up as, I think it took about four hours of lecture to get people the same point as you just saw in six minutes. Um, that's what it's all about. It's the Great Commission. It's allowing the Word of God uh, to, to uh, reach you. Act Beyond, by the way, is a mission organization. Um, there are many organizations that have uh, come alongside and are partnering together making disciples. We, we happen to be partnered with another one called uh, City Team International, they're partnered with City Team. City Team is a training organization that, that provides most of the background work. And the, uh, the fellow that originated this, a guy named Dave Watson, is, uh, works for them. And uh, so they really carry the message to the, to the nation around the world. Uh, some questions. Okay, what, what was happening? What, what struck you? Let's go over here first. What struck you with that uh, video? What was the one thing uh, that, that impressed you from that video? How simple it was to reach out to people. Okay, how about over here? One of you, somebody have self-sustaining communities. How about you have something back there? Okay, self-sustaining. Okay, right here in this first part. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is a great teacher. Okay, how about over in this area? Anybody? Okay, pass down the fourth generation. A little bit further and back. Yes. It's God doing it, yeah. I would just say one thing. One of the things that amazed me, you know what, when Jesus gets to the end of that and he says, Lo, I'm with you at the end of the age, when I look at in my own life as I've been involved with this, the things that happen, you say, Wow, this this is beyond things are happening here that I cannot explain. I mean they're not bells and whistles, people raised from the dead, but they're they're people that come up, they're people that get connected that you say, How and that happened? And it really is, you realize that that when I really believe that that conditional part of Jesus says, and Lord, I'm with you at the end of the age, is not, he's not saying, of course, he's with all of us, but he's saying, if you are involved in this, if you will do what I told you to do, I am going to do the heavy lifting. I am with you to the hard work. And it's really amazing. And back in the far back, anybody? Must be the cheap seats back there. Okay. Um, so the next question I want to ask you, how do you think you could, how does this impact your life? What do you think you can do 
to uh, to to begin uh, uh, applying this to your life. What do you see anything you could connect with this? Yes. Tell people stories about Jesus. Yeah, that's one of the key parts of it. How about over here? Anybody? How can you do? How can this? How can you begin implementing this in your own life? Ask God who He wants to speak to. That's a very important one. Very key. Brilliant. Yes. How about over here? Or how about in this front row here? Yes. Asking questions rather than providing answers. Ask questions rather than providing answers. Right. What else? How can you apply it in your own life? Listening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about in the the, uh, the bleacher seats over here on the side, the <laughs> cargo seats? Anybody? Got anything? How would you apply this in your life? Yeah. That's an amazing part of it. Yeah. Now, when you're involved in evangelism, what do you do? You go trying to find somebody you beat in the bushes, right? Uh, yeah. Disciple-making movement, this is a whole different story. You just go along, and God brings people. At, and you're not trying to reach the entire world. You're trying to work with the person that God's already working with. That's a lot easier. Okay. Somebody over here, how would you apply it in your life? Yes. Somebody else? Yeah. Okay. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Now, one thing, uh, when I've we've done training, and, and people come through and, uh, and they take the training, and they come back and say, Jim, I can't find a person of peace. I've learned to ask a question, are you doing this yourself? Uh, well, no, I'm not. Listen, when you become a disciple, okay, that's the important part. It's not going to make disciples. You have to become a disciple first. And there's a difference between being a believer, even between being a follower, and being a disciple. And, and as we go through this, if you involve the training a little bit, you'll learn some of that. But being a disciple is a whole little different process. I'll, I'll, succinctly, uh, a follower, you know, what would Jesus do? Remember those little bracelets? I don't know if you saw them around. What would Jesus do? That describes a follower. I want to do what Jesus does, but I'm going to do it my way. I've got this program or that program, and I've got this neat thing. Boy, wish Jesus had the same idea. You know, but a, a, a disciple... What would Jesus do, and how would he do it? How does he want me to do it? The focus is on doing it exactly the way that Jesus told us to do it, uh, that he did it. So it's a little bit different, and that's one of the key parts of disciple. Sure. Okay, a couple of weeks ago, we were in Kansas City for uh, um, the first, actually, uh, discipleship training or, or gathering in, uh, in North America. And so I was out uh, having lunch with a, um, a, f- a new friend, and the waitress, um, when you start having eyes and ears and, you know, you're talking about the treasure hunt thing, it's, it's, it's a similar thing. But the waitress was really bubbly and really outgoing. And, um, you know, and I just, you know, she was just telling me all kinds of things, she, what, you know, about her life. And, and there weren't, it wasn't a busy uh, at that time. And uh, so I just asked her a question. I said, uh, I said, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And she goes, well... You know, I uh, um, I like the sun. I like to go sit out in the sun, and you know, I I like just nature. And she just goes off and you know, kind of rambles. And 
um, opens up. She said, I think I'm a Buddhist. I'm going, oh, okay. But uh, anyhow, and I was just like, whoa. And uh, a little bit later, um, but I just thought there was something about this lady. So as we were um, getting our bill, I said, uh, I said, you know, my friend and I are we're we love Jesus, and uh, and I I like to pray for people. Um, you know, she had actually poured out her life like she had been abused, and she was a you know into uh, the bar scene and just all this. And uh, and when I said I said, can we? you know, I'd like to pray for you. Can we pray for you? She started crying. And I'm like, oh, no, not what? <laughs> and she couldn't. I was, like, trying to pay the bill, and she just, like, broke down crying, and she runs in the back, and I'm like, oh, well. I look at my friend. I don't know what's going to happen next. I said, but I really feel like I should pray for her. Or I'm praying for an opportunity. So then she, uh, she kind of got herself collected, and as I'm walking out, she came up, and she apologized. I said, no. I said, you know, God is touching you. And uh, that's a good thing, and you know, and uh, and I just want to let you know that he really loves you. And I just, I said, you know, can we just, can I just pray for you right now? And so I just laid my hand on her, and people are kind of watching us, and and she started bawling again, and I'm like, okay. So my friend is following up with this waitress. She is like, she's got a great set of connections. She's really influential, and uh, and we're hoping and praying. This is in Kansas City that she. Uh, gets connected and can start a uh, discovery uh, study with her. So that's just kind of how simple and fun it is, you know, you're talking about. And it's just a part of our life. And once you kind of start stepping out, it's just, it's really fun. It's exciting to see what God's going to do, um, you know, just with simple things and being obedient. Yeah, amen. Yeah, the one thing about it, this is... Uh, all the evangelism programs I've been involved in before, and that's what had uh, got me connected with discipleship because I was I was pretty successful as an evangelist. I don't know how many people I prayed with, but when I tried to follow up with them, you know, it turned out to be a catch-and-release program. I don't know how many people I prayed with, and I could never, never nail one down. And I was working with a guy, and he's prayed with, and he's presented the gospel over 20,000 times. Uh, I prayed with over 600, 800 people to receive Christ. And I asked him, how many people do you have walking with Christ? It took him two weeks, he found one. And I said, well, this is not, this doesn't, something seems to be wrong with this. It was a great method, you know, it really is. Uh, but it wasn't producing any substantial fruit. And so then I went to the Gospels. And I came up across, what did Jesus say about evangelism? Do a search sometime. It's, it's not, one, not a word in his vocabulary. Uh, he talks about making disciples, and the whole program is making disciples. So that's what we're involved in. Uh, you have any questions? What's a disciple? What is a disciple? Uh, in the time of Jesus, uh, look a little bit of the history of discipleship. The first rec- record of a disciple was around 400 B.C. And uh, by the time Jesus came into the world, uh, discipleship in, in Israel had reached a really high level of development. And there were somewhere between 800 and 1,000 rabbis who had disciples. Uh, we know of uh, two, uh, let's see, we know of three of them, one, two besides Jesus, okay? Guy on the Sea of, sea of Galilee, guy named John. Remember John the Baptist? What were a couple of his disciples, do you remember? Andrew and? The other disciple, probably John, because John's in John's gospel. So Andrew and John, and uh, you remember who their brothers were? Uh, 
Andrew's brother was Peter. John's brother was James. Okay? So discipleship was established. And then we know another guy that was a disciple of, of a fellow. He was a guy from Tarsus. Paul. Saul. Remember who his rabbi was? Gamiel. Gamiel uh, was one of the two, along with Jesus, he wanted, if you cut Jesus, one of the three main rabbis at that time. Matter of fact, there are two main schools of rabbinical teaching. There's a third one, which is a census of the two. The two are Gamiel and Hillel. They were both contemporaries of Jesus. And they, all three of those guys had more than a thousand disciples. Okay, so what was a disciple? In, in the first century, if somebody says, I'm a disciple of John the Baptist, or I'm a disciple of Gamiel, or I'm a disciple of Hillel, or another rabbi, I was committing myself to do five things. First, I was committing myself to obey my rabbi. Normally, the father would release his sons to the rabbi's care. So the rabbi's commands took precedence over the fathers. Now, in Middle Eastern culture, the, the father is really the preeminent if you deal with Muslims or people in the Middle East, Middle East. The father's word settles the issue. So the rabbis settle the issue. Example, how far would you go to obey your rabbi? If your rabbi said, take a step out of the boat and walk across the water, would you do that? You would do that. Okay, so whatever it meant, you were going to obey. And secondly, you're going to memorize all of your rabbi's main teachings so that you could tell other people. Okay, commitment to memory, to tell. Third one was you need to know the basic law of the Old Testament, be founded in it, and then you need to know what your rabbi taught about it. You know, Jesus said, you have heard that it is written that, but I say to you that. You know, there's examples of that. And the fourth one, let's see, fourth one was, what, imitation? Like an imitation? Imitate your rabbi in everything. Not only the way he walked, the way he talked, the way he thought. You're always striving to understand and think the same way, have the same thoughts. And the last one was to make disciples. And every, every disciple of a rabbi, when your rabbi died you would go and make a disciple using his teachings. Now, interesting, we've talked about John and Andrew. After John the Baptist died, was beheaded, remember they were down with their brothers. What do you think they were doing to their brothers? Making disciples. They were teaching them what, what, what their rabbi had taught them. And then Jesus comes along. But Jesus threw a little, a little twist on it. He said, uh, he said, he said, I'm not leaving you. Then he said, I'm with you to the end of the age. He, he also, he said in uh, Matthew 23, he says, uh, call no one, let no one call you teacher. And say, when I die, don't let anybody call you rabbi, uh, for you are brothers one of another. A little different twist. He said, uh, call no one fa- on earth father, for you have one father in heaven. And he said, let no one call you teacher, because you have one teacher, the Christ. He was greatest among you, will be least, will be servants of all. Okay. A little different twist, but basically those are the five things. So when you said, I'm a a disciple, you said, I have committed myself to memorize, to obey everything that Jesus tells me to do. Where do you find that? In the Bible. All the commands. Okay, I'm going to memorize all of his major teachings. Where do you find those? In the Bible. 
Okay, I'm, I'm going to understand the whole scriptures and then what Jesus taught about it. Where do you find that? In the Bible. Okay, I'm going to imitate Jesus. How do we do that? Study what he did. Try to do the same thing. Have the same heart, same mind. Again, from the Bible. So everything centers around the scriptures. And you notice they, they, the whole thing is discovery. What, I always thought, what would, wouldn't it be neat to have been one of the disciples of Jesus? Well, I can't do that, right? You know what? You can. Every essential teaching that he gave, not all of his teachings, but every essential teaching is right there in the Gospels. We have it. If you would read it out loud, and now his disciples would gather in little bands around him. You can think about the times they came to him when they had a question. And they would discuss the passage or discuss the scripture that, or whatever he taught. They would talk about it. What did the rabbi mean? And they would be in the process of memorizing it together. There's something that happens collectively when you get together in a group. If I put six to eight of you in a group, and you went through 20 verses, and you went around trying to do it by memory, in about 15 minutes you would have that memorized. You can do it on your own, take you three or four hours. There's something about group learning that is amazing. As you are trying to follow along and help the other person learn that and point out what they're missing, you learn it. You learn it very quickly. So it's amazing things that happens in this group process. So what the whole concept, you saw those people sitting around a circle? What they're doing is, is, is recreating, if you want to, the groups of disciples around Jesus. They're going to read that word out loud. Okay? They're going to listen to it. Then they're going to share it from memory. They're going to begin practicing that word. They're going to discuss what does it mean? What's going on in this passage? And they're going to ask basic questions. What are we learning about God from this? And what do we learn about ourselves? And then comes the obedience part. If it's true, you can do this with non-believers. They don't have to believe it's true. But if it was true, is there something in there you would have to change your life conform to it? Nobody's going to tell them what they need to do. But if they say, you know, I need to treat my, my wife better, how are you going to do that? Well, you know, I used to beat her on Friday nights. I quit beating her on Friday nights. Why did you beat her? Well, I was drinking. Okay. What are you going to do? Well, I won't drink on Friday nights. Okay. You know, you get specific. Yeah. Okay. It's a small, measurable step. Okay. It's obedience. Not in some kind, I'm going to love my wife more. How are you going to show that? Not that I'm going to love God more. How are you going to show that? So it's just very specific obedience. Very small steps, very concrete. And through the process as you get into the scriptures and you begin to develop it and you learn obedience. Now remember, the 11 went to Galilee. Some of them had doubts, right? But they what? Obeyed. They obeyed. And when they obeyed, Jesus, even when they expressed their doubts, Jesus showed up. And that's one of the things you find out going through this process is that God the Holy Spirit will show up and address your doubts. Okay? So that's basically in a nutshell. The other thing is you, you need to tell this so you memorize it and then you go out with a plan. Who are you going to tell this, this passage that you memorized uh, next week? And then we say, okay, uh, when are you going to tell them? You say, I'm going to tell my neighbor. Which neighbor? Bob. Bob, when are you going to tell them? Well, I see him out. We put the garbage out on Wednesday. I see him almost every Wednesday morning. I do it on Wednesday morning. Okay. How is it going to go about well, you know, I, we talk about, we talk about sports. I said, okay, and how's that passage going to tie? Well, there's a connection here, and I can bring it into the earth. Okay, so you come away with a plan. You come away with a plan, and then next week, you come back and you report. You said you were going to do this. Did you do it? Did you apply it to your life? 
and you said you were going to tell it with so-and-so. Did you tell them? And they said, well, I, I didn't tell it with Bob, but you know what? Uh, Bob was on vacation that week, but uh, uh, Charles down the block, I talked to him, and I shared it with him. Great. What happened? You asked him, share the passage. You asked him, what do you think? What, is, what does this mean to you? Maybe it means nothing, or maybe you get a response. Maybe you find a person of peace. Yeah. Yes. As well, can I ask a question? You sure. Um, so, hopefully, you don't take this the wrong way, but I'm just wondering if you can explain to all of us why it is that we should become disciples, and what would be the effect of it? You know, what is the good part about that? Okay. Let me do. Let me do Paul's question first, and then I'll come back to that because it's a bigger question. Find what is a person of peace in Luke 10, Luke 10, and Matthew 9:35. Matthew 9.35 through 10.16, he sends out the 12. And then later on, he sends out the 72. And the question is, where did the 72 come from? You know, could be the 12 went out first, might be the fruit of that. But it, 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 some specific things, he said, both times he tells, he said, the, the fields are ripe to harvest. You all know this one, right? Fields are ripe to harvest. But the, what? Laborers are few. Then beseech the Lord of the harvest to what? Send laborers, send workers. And so then he goes through a bunch of other things, which we could get into. But to the point, we, he sends bo- all, both groups, he sends them to a village. He said, when you enter a house, okay, when you enter a house, say, peace be on this house. And if a person, a man of peace or a woman of peace is there, that peace will remain on that house. Okay? And then you stay there teaching. You stay there eating what they serve you and, and all this. Okay. What were you praying for? A laborer. What do you find? Person of peace. Now, they might not be a believer. Okay? But they have what? They, they have, are they part of a family? They have a group of friends? And you're believing that God's been working that person's life. They may not know God's working their life, but there's something going on with their life. Yeah, but God, you want to k- kick off that one? Yes. Okay, so now the next question. Why, why should you become a disciple? Is that what is what? Yeah, okay. What was the good parts of being a disciple? Uh, your life will change. You will find yourself reading the scriptures in a whole different way. Your understanding of God's purposes in the world will change. You have to have a kingdom mindset. If you are bought into a particular denomination or church mindset, uh, it won't fit. Okay? You have to have a kingdom mindset. Uh, and, and you'll find your whole world begins to turn upside down. You will, you will find yourself walking down the street and somebody will come up to you and they'll want to know about Jesus. They'll want to know about God. Uh, you don't tell them to do anything you're not already doing. Okay? When you're a disciple, discipleship is not something I, I give to somebody. It's something I, I invite somebody into. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm not going to make a disciple. I'm going to invite them to be a disciple with me. Okay? My relationship, we're brothers one of another. Okay? Jesus makes disciples. Okay. You had just okay. Go ahead. I'm wondering about um, yeah, the inner circle. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't, you know, that's really a good one. I've wondered that myself. I don't have a good answer. Somebody have a good answer for that one? You know, <laughs> I'm not in the answer business. I, I think, you know, another thing interesting about, about Jesus is you, you look at, you look, the disciples would come with a question. And they left usually with about 10 bigger questions than they came with. Yeah. And why? Why? When searched out. You remember in, in Matthew 16, uh, Peter's profession of faith? Remember that? that? That's actually the only time Jesus talks about planting churches is right there. All the instructions given us in Matthew 16. Uh, and, it, and it's really interesting. Now, I'll give you a little story. Simon, Simon, the name Simon means one who hears. Okay, so you run through this. So you think about what, what Jesus is saying. He's got a little, a little, a little bite or a little sense of humor with this. And of course, uh, you know who Jonah was, the prophet that went wrong way and then came back. Okay, so so uh, so Jesus goes coming down to Caesarea Philippi, and that's interesting areas, uh, pagan worship, and Caesar and uh, was worshipped up there. That was where they had a shrine for Caesar. And, and so he says to, the, to his disciples in this pagan area, he said, who do men say the Son of Man is? Remember what they said? Some say John the Baptist. Yeah, some say Elijah. And some say, say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he gets, he asks a direct question, which is really a question he asks each one of us. Who do you say that I am? And we know Peter's response, right, Simon? says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus, this is where the little humor comes in, blessed are you, Simon, which means one who hears, son of the prophet that was going the wrong way and got turned around. For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but your father that was in heaven. And upon this, and I call you, you are Peter, I call you Peter, and upon this rock, I We'll build my church. Okay? Our job is not to build churches, make disciples. I will build my church. And, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I give you the keys of heaven. And whatever you loose, uh, bind on earth is bound in heaven. Loose on earth is loose in heaven. And, and, and then he says, after these things, he told them not to tell anyone he was the Christ. And he said, from that time, point on, he began to speak that he must go up to Jerusalem. He must, and all the things he must suffer at the hands of the of the of the uh, uh, elders, and of the, the chief priest, and of the and of the teachers of the law, and that they must he must be killed, and on the third day rise again. That took a few weeks. Okay, if you think about it, Jesus spent almost his whole time. This was the key point. This was the point when he had disciple Peter that could hear from God. Why did Jesus always leave you with bigger questions than you came with? The only way you can get the answer is to go to your father. He's always pushing, pushing, pushing us till we can hear from God. Okay? So we, there are many believers. There are a lot of followers. There are a few disciples. But the ones he's looking for are the ones that can hear from the father. And he guarantees us that he will build his church. Now, I didn't answer your question about the three specifically, and I really don't have a good answer to that other than the fact that, that the relationship with Jesus varied. And his ability to work with people, you can't pour your life into even 12 people. 
he had Mason talks about he had he had a, uh, a myriad of, of disciples, you know, hundreds of disciples, probably around a thousand at some point, and there's no way you can possibly relate to that many. So he worked with three, and my guess is they worked with the other nine, who probably worked with another 72. I don't know, but you know, we, we try to come up, we we try to imitate that as much as we can. So that's best answer I can come up to you on that one. I don't have any, but you know, I would say. That's a really good question. And when people tell me good questions, I say, that's one you really need to go to the Father. When he gives you the answer, come and tell me. <laughs> Any more questions? We're just getting started tonight, and uh, my hope is that we can continue with this. One of the things that I appreciate about this is similar to what we experienced in prophecy the Holy Spirit Conference, we used to have prophetic types come, and they would give prophetic words spot on, and people would say, oh, my, wow. But they weren't thinking, I could do that. Until people started teaching how to prophesy, and then people started saying, I could do that. Like when Matt was here and teaching, we, we knew we could do it. How about, how about bring a group of people together and start a church? No, you can never do that because of the way we're taught. You have a, a heavy front end. You have somebody who's seminary trained. You got $20,000, and you have a, a worship leader, and you got a pastor, and you, you got all this coming together, and then you plant a church. I don't buy that. You guys. Get somebody together, the, the man of peace, they've had stories to tell of how God led them to someone who had some influence, brought a group of people together, you sit down together, you begin reading the Bible together, you don't have to teach it, See, you, didn't, you don't have to do much here, but rely on the Father for opening opportunities up. I believe he's going to use something like this to just spread like it's happening in other countries now. There are, some of these books are telling how in this very simple way it's going to the fourth and the fifth and the sixth generation. And it starts slow and then it starts accelerating because you get its exponential growth. So I'm really thankful that uh, Jim and Cindy are, are kind of leading the way here in the cities and others are linking hands so we'll hear more about this. I'd like to have them back. Either we'll go to where they are, or they can come to where we are and learn more just specifically how to do it in neighborhoods. I want to do it among internationals. I was at the hospital with Karen, and I like to meet people. So I just asked him, where are you from? Cameroon. Where do you live? New Brighton. Can I pray for your daughter? Well, what's wrong? Why are you here? She's six, so I prayed with him and then said, could we have your address? Could we have your telephone number? Well, when they call, what I'm going to say, hey, can I, can I come over to New Brighton? Can I just meet with you? Do you have friends? Because they were, they were impressed. It's a new person. that they, they uh, Can we come over? Meet in your home. And we'll just read the Bible together. See what God does. I think God's going to use something like that to plant a thousand churches in the Twin Cities to begin with. 
I just want to really emphasize the um, prayer. Um, so join us in praying for a movement. Uh, we really have faith that it's going to happen. I'm praying for a Gideon army and, uh, and praying that, you know, God stir your hearts. Um, we just want to be agents of the Holy Spirit and uh, be, be pliable in his hands. And uh, I, I've been praying for, um, we've been praying for North, Amer uh, North uh, Minneapolis where we lived um, for uh, the African-American community for inroads. And I just met uh, a woman that I'm going to start a study with, and uh, she's going to she's going to be the she's going to facilitate the group. I'm not even going to go into that group. I'm going to mentor her. Jim has a young man um, that didn't even know who Jesus was, and he's met with him, and you know, who's starting a Bible study, and he's a man of influence coming out of drugs and alcohol and gang. He's a, was a gang uh, leader. Um, so these are the kind of people we're looking for. We are, we're, our ear, Jim met uh, his, the young man in, uh, in the um, country buffet. He was sharing about Africa, and the young man was like this. He was a way, uh, server. And uh, so anyhow, you just, eyes and ears open. Pray, pray, pray for a movement. Have faith that you're going to be a part of it. And, uh, and become a disciple. Get into the word. Start asking those questions. Start wrestling with the word verse by verse. And memorizing with a group, you know, get a group going um, and just dig into the word and you'll see such a passion. We've been walking with the Lord a long time, as long as this guy has and almost, and uh, it's it just gets better and better. And if, I'm Gary Gilbertson's cousin too, if you know Gary. <laughs> <laughs> you just connected. Yeah, the, uh, by the way, I I tried to print up 50 of these. I don't know if they've made it off the printer or not, but we, we sent them down. Okay, but, we'll and, and we'll get those printed up even yeah. if we don't have them tonight because yeah. we got them on the, yeah, yeah we'll get them out That's to people. Good. They're very, very helpful. Okay, yeah. What's the name of that book again? This is Miraculous oh, yeah. Movements by Jerry Trousdale. This is, this is what happened in West Africa in, in 12 years. Half, uh, half a million people came to Christ about three people. Uh, half of them were Muslim background believers. We were at this conference in, in Sierra Leone, and there, and there were, uh, Sierra Leone, there were 1,500 church planters there, and so I got to talk to them a little bit, and I asked them, how many of you are from Muslim background? Over 500 of those 1,500 were Muslim background believers, okay? They have planted thousands of churches. The next two years in West Africa and in the eight nations that they were represented, they will plant over 2,000 more churches. Mozambique will plant over 3,000 churches in the next two years. See, this is happening around the world now. It's, it's spreading in Muslim countries. Yeah, in India, it's, it's going crazy in India. I've got, we got, uh, but the the thing we're starting in North India actually, and, and there's over 15, I think it's 18 generations in North India, and somewhere between four and 10 million believers out of that that thing is still doubling about every year and a half, two years. I mean, it's it it once it gets going, it goes. It, it, it's not maintenance free, but it's low maintenance. Let me tell you. And think about it. We had 11 guys that walked out of Galilee, and Jesus hooked them up with another one named Paul. And why are we sitting here today? And what kind of mission board did they have? How many buildings did they have? What kind of communications did they have? What did they have? Less than you have. Okay? So uh, it, it, you're going to see, in the next 20 years, you guys are going to see some amazing, amazing things. But you have to become a disciple first. Let's pray.
And after I pray with you, I want you to spin around and pray with one or two others and personalize that. Ask yourself, do I see myself doing this? Are there people that I could bring together whose hearts are open that God could use me to start something like this? Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be moving here, moving in our hearts, and that without beating ourselves up, we could ask, am I a disciple? Am I obeying Jesus? Do I know what he says? Do I know what he is commanding? Am I obeying his commands? Am I following him? Do I want to extend his message? Is that the way I want to live? I pray, Father, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, convict those who are compromising in their life, who are not living as disciples of Jesus Christ, who are living in a way that doesn't bring you joy. We pray that you would bring a conversion in their heart by your Holy Spirit. We don't need to convict anybody because the Holy Spirit can do that. Do it even tonight. Convict hearts where there's an independence or a self-dependence and bring about a dependence on you. And I pray for those who are part of that harvest, a part of, part of that labor force. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Lord, we say, I'm ready. I want to be involved. I pray that you would... Give us connections with people, like I believe you gave me that connection with those Cameroons. I met another Cameroon guy uh, today. I pray that you would br- give us connections, not because we're we are are looking all over, but because you you make it easy for it to happen. And we do believe that there will be a sweeping movement in this place, in this city, in this state, among people that we know, for Jesus' sake. Spin around right where you are. Turn this into, this becomes a prayer meeting now. I'm going to ask Jim and Cindy to stick around for a while. If you want prayer specifically from them, feel free to do that. Otherwise... This becomes prayer. We'll fellowship upstairs. After a little while, we'll let you know about the newbie meeting. I th- there were a couple new ones, and uh, Brandon is ready to meet with you. But now we just uh, pray. So spin round right now.